Well, I am happy to uh, introduce to you our guest speaker for the uh, morning, Reverend Gary Anderson. He is a South Carolina native, and so all us South Carolinians say, woohoo, yeah, yeah. He currently resides in Lexington, South Carolina. He's married to Nita. Nita, raise your hand up, Nita. There's Nita uh, with us this morning. And uh, his two has two sons, Jonathan, who's married to Misty. They live in Florence. And Justin, who's married to Emily from Rock Hill. And Justin and Emily and grandson Raylan is here this morning. So uh, we're glad to have uh, them with us also. Yes? He has another grandson, Macon. He says, yes, he has pictures if you need to see those, all right? As any grandfather would, yes. Gary started pastoring in 1976. He served in churches both in South Carolina and North Carolina. And then in 2005, he began serving churches in South Carolina through the South Carolina Baptist Convention Office in Columbia. He is currently serving as director of Church Life Group and uh, we are just uh, uh, overjoyed to have him with us this morning. And I think you're going to be blessed as he comes and shares with us. Please welcome Reverend Gary Anderson. Thank you, well, it is my pleasure to be here with you. Thank you so much for uh, having me this morning. Uh, it is uh, always a treat for me to get to uh, be with one of our South Carolina Baptist churches. And when I can have members of my family who are with me in the midst of all that, that makes it an even uh, more special treat. So I thank you for having me this morning. By the way, how many of you knew Ron was away on vacation? Okay, well, and you came anyway. That's the thing that amazes me. Uh, the other thing that uh, is, is interesting about this weekend, we, we are uh, celebrating over uh, the course of a, a few days uh, my grandson's birthday, Raylan. And several years ago, I remember when this happened very vividly. I'm, I'm sure my son doesn't remember it quite as well, but uh, I remember how much I enjoyed playing golf until my youngest son got where he could beat me. And then yesterday, as a part of Raylan's birthday weekend, we went and played top golf. And guess who won? Now I'm really demoralized. So. Uh, Anyway, it's a pleasure to be with you, and uh, I thank you for having me here today. By the way, I found this out this morning, and uh, I know you're, you're thrilled about this, but uh, Chuck, I think today, is celebrating 39 years out of 45 being here, but 39 years full-time. He's been here with you for 39 years. Isn't that fantastic? Uh, if we could get uh, that first slide up on the screen uh, of uh, the valley. Uh, when I say the valley of Elah, that may not ring a bell with you. But maybe this will. The valley of Elah is the scene of the most famous battle that's described in the Old Testament. What makes it interesting is it wasn't fought between two armies, but it was fought between two people. Even people who don't know much about the Bible, even people who don't read the Bible, know about the two people that are in this battle, David and Goliath. 
Now, I know this is an important story. It's one that the author did not want us to ever forget. And I know that because of the space that's given to this battle for one thing. 1 Samuel 17, which is where we're going to count this morning, consists of 58 verses. It's one of the longest chapters in the Bible. It uses 912 Hebrew words. And it's one of the most detailed descriptions of a battle you'll find anywhere. We're told about the historical location. We're told about the military weapons. We're even told about the size of one of the combatants. The author of 1 Samuel wanted to make sure this story would stick to our soul. Now, one of the greatest kings who ever lived was David. He's the most honored king in Israel's history. He has his own tomb. The sign of the nation of Israel to this day is the Star of David. And you can learn a lot from David. And the story of David and Goliath is kind of like the Christmas story. It's one you really don't have to go over much because everybody knows it. And whether you're a kid or you're an adult, you never really get tired of it. It's got Hollywood written all over it. You've got this huge giant that would make Hulk look like a punk, fighting not a man but a boy. David was about 15 years old when this happened. He didn't even have his driver's license. He couldn't drive his dad's chariot yet. But that's not the picture that most people have of David. If you were to ever travel to Florence, Italy, and go to the Academia Gallery, you would see what is today considered one of the most famous statues in all the world. It's Michelangelo's statue of David. It's a towering statue. It's 14 feet tall from head to toe. But the real David was the youngest child in his family. He was probably the smallest by stature. From outside, David wasn't very impressive. But on the inside, he's described like nobody else in the Bible. He was described as a man after God's own heart. And I believe the story we're looking at this morning captures why this was David's finest hour. This was David's MVP moment. By the way, I don't know if you did a bracket, but mine's already shot if you've been paying attention to uh, what's been happening in uh, March Madness. But here is an event that puts David on the major league of life. And we learn from this occasion not only how we can be people after God's own heart, but how we can live in such a way that we can bring a smile to the face of God. How we can face the giants that come our way in life. How we can deal with the challenges and the problems that may come our way. And so here's the first thing I want to call your attention to. If you are going to be aware of the work that God is wanting to do in your life, you have to, first of all, be focused on God's presence. Now, at the beginning of the story in 
1 Samuel 17, Israel is fighting the Philistines. The Philistines were their most hated enemy. The Philistines were on one side of the valley. The Israelites were on the other side. The Israelites had a giant of a problem, and the problem was a giant. Now, the author wanted us to know just how big the giant was because he gives us the most detailed description of a soldier and a warrior found anywhere in the Bible. If you're in 1 Samuel 17 and you're following along, we'll pick up with verse 4. A champion named Goliath, who was from Gath, came out of the Philistine camp. His height was six cubits in a span, as he had a bronze helmet on his head and wore a coat of scale armor of bronze weighing 5,000 shekels. On his leg, he wore bronzed greaves, and a bronze javelin was slung on his back. His spear shaft was like a weaver's rod, and its iron point weighed 600 shekels. His shield bearer went out ahead of him. Now, he's called a champion, which is the only time anyone's ever called that in Scripture. It literally means a man between two armies. Depending on how you measure, and I I like the bigger one. I guess that's just my nature. But he was nine feet, nine inches tall. He was just like a basketball goal standing still. He wore a bronze t-shirt that weighed 175 pounds, had a spear, and the head of the spear weighed 25 pounds. Goliath was a big guy. In the first grade, he probably would have been starting left tackle on his college football team. And he had challenged Israel to a one-on-one winner-take-all match. Mano and Mano. That had been going on for almost six weeks. For six weeks, he'd been coming out and challenging the nation of Israel to send somebody out to fight him. And for six weeks, nobody had volunteered. We're told in verse 25 how the king had even tried to bribe someone to fight Goliath. Verse 25, now the Israelites had been saying, do you see how this man keeps coming out? He comes out to defy Israel. The king will give great wealth to the man who kills him. He will also give him his daughter in marriage and will exempt his family from taxes in Israel. Sounds like a pretty good deal, right? The man who would kill this giant would instantly be a man of fortune and fame, and even become a part of the king's family. But every day when Goliath came out and issued its challenge, it seemed like everybody in the army had a headache. I'm kind of reminded of the little boy who was playing in the garage, and he was listening to his dad tell his uncle about a recent argument he'd had with his wife, who was the boy's mother. And so the guy said, Uncle John, I let her know exactly where I stood. I told her how things were going to be around the house and that I was the boss. And the next thing I know, she was crawling on her hands and knees towards me. And about that time, the little boy popped up and said, Daddy, is that when Mommy told you to get out from under the bed and fight like a man? (laughs) Well, in Israel's army, nobody was coming out from under the bed. The king wouldn't fight. 
the generals wouldn't fight. The commanders wouldn't fight. The soldiers wouldn't fight. They were all focused on the giant. And then David showed up. He'd been sent by his dad to take some food to his brothers and bring back news about how the battle was going. And David gets there and he sizes up the situation and we hear in verse 26 the first words ever recorded that David says in Scripture. David asked the men standing near him, what will be done for the man who kills this Philistine and removes this disgrace from Israel? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of Israel? Now, this is also something else that's interesting that's happened here. This is the first time God's ever mentioned in this story. You see, everybody else for six weeks had been focused on the giant. What had the army been saying for almost six weeks? Back up in verse 25. Now, the, Philist- the Israelites had been saying, do you see how this man keeps coming out? What they were really saying is, you see how much bigger he is than we are? And David shows up and says, do you know how much bigger God is than he is? Do you know how much bigger God is than this giant who keeps coming out and taunting you? Everybody else was looking at the giant. But David shows up and he's looking at God. Now listen to this. Whenever you face a problem you think you can't solve, Whenever you have an obstacle in front of you, you don't think you can get over or get around. Whenever there's a giant in your life you think you can't defeat, fear will always focus on the giant. But faith will always focus on God. It's interesting. When you read this story, you find that David only mentions Goliath two times. There's something about Goliath and something to Goliath. And both times when David refers to Goliath, it's nothing flattering. He calls him an uncircumcised Philistine. You know how many times David mentions God? Ten times. He talked about God ten times more than he talked about the giant. Five times more than he talked about the giant. Now, we usually reverse that ratio, don't we? God wasn't on their radar screen. God filled David's radar screen. If you want to be somebody after God's own heart, the next time you have a challenge facing you, a problem, a difficulty, a giant, here's a lesson that I hope you remember from this passage. You need to be focused on God's presence. God is with you. And then here's the second point. You need to be fearless in God's power. Now the good news here is finally there's an Israelite who's willing to go out and face the giant. An Israelite who's saying, I'll go to battle. The bad news is it's not a battle-hardened, tested soldier. It's an inexperienced teenage shepherd boy. David had probably never held a sword. He'd probably never held a shield. He'd never worn a helmet. 
the first time he'd ever seen a battlefield, much less been on one, was probably this occasion. So why was David ready to run to the fight when everybody else was running from the fight? Well, here's the answer. Look at verses 33, and we'll read following. Saul replied, you're not able to go out against this Philistine and fight him. You're only a young man. He has been a warrior from his youth. But David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it, and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair and struck it and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. Saul said to David, Go, and the Lord be with you. Now, this is incredible to me that it took a shepherd boy to remind a king and an entire army just how powerful God is. Do you know why we fear our giants? Do you know why we worry too much? Why we quit too easily? Why we run too quickly? We forget what we ought to remember, and we remember what we ought to forget. We magnify the giants that are before us, and we minimize the God that's within us. All of us, I'm sure, are aware that God has given us three kinds of sight. He's given us hindsight, insight, and foresight. We all have the ability to look backward, to look inward, and to look forward. See, the right hindsight will give you the proper insight to have the confident foresight you need to move forward in life. That's why David could face the present and be unafraid of the future because of what he remembered from the past. With his bare hands and a stick, he had killed a bear and a lion. And he realized even then it wasn't because of his own strength. That happened because of God's power. See, if we'll remember what God has done for us yesterday, then we'll believe what he can do for us today. And then we'll be confident in what he's going to do for us tomorrow. David remembered what everybody else had forgotten. David believed what everybody else doubted. Now listen to this carefully. When you see the God that others don't, you'll do for God what others won't. See, David realized there was only one big thing in his life he needed to pay attention to. Oh, sure, it's easy for us to focus on trials and temptations and, and troubles. I mean, those things may look like giants to us. They may consume our lives. They may sound like a giant. They may feel like a giant. But there ought to be only one big thing in our life, and that's God. Fear says, look how much bigger that giant is than you are. Faith says, see how big God is? And when you focus on God, then you realize how small most of our giants really are. 
So the scene's finally set. Now, a semblance of a fight's going to take place. We've heard the quote, uh, a rumble in the jungle. Well, this is the rally in the valley. And everybody's placing their bets, and nobody's betting on David. Not the Philistines, not the Israelites, not David's brothers, not even David's king. Everybody's putting their money on Goliath. But David's putting everything on God. David knew something. When you count on God, you always win. That's why we ought to always be fearless in God's power. Because it doesn't matter who is against us when God is for us. Here's the last thing. We need to be favorite in God's praise. Now, here we go. The one thing that both sides were convinced of was this fight wasn't going to last very long. This was a uh, tornado that was about to take down a toothpick. This was an 18-wheeler that was about to run over a minibike. This was a St. Bernard that was about to chew on a chihuahua. The Philistines couldn't wait, and the Israelites couldn't watch. I mean, I imagine all the Philistines had their cell phones out wanting to film this thing. The Israelites took their mask and put it up over their eyes. And everybody was wondering, what will David's last words be? What's he going to say when all this is uh, coming to a conclusion? Now, these weren't David's last words, but if you'll look down in verse 45, 46, and 47, they were some of his best words. David said to the Philistine, you come against me with a sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel whom you have defiled. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hands, and I will strike you down and cut off your head. This very day I will give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds and the wild animals, and the whole world will know there is a God in Israel. All those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give all of you into our hands. David's going to fight Goliath, and he wants everybody there to know it's not about him. This is about God. David's not doing this for fame or fortune. He's doing it for the glory of God. He's fighting in the name of God. He's going to be delivered by the power of God. The battle is not his, but it's God's. Maybe, uh, well, this is one of the most famous stories in the Bible. But I believe it's one of the most misunderstood. See, uh, a lot of people think it's a story about a giant. No, it's a story about God. This is not a story about a boy who killed a giant for God. It's about the God who killed the giant for the boy. This is uh, not a story about the giants we face. It's a story about the God who fights giants. Now think about it. You've got a giant wearing a bulletproof vest, a Kevlar helmet, steel-nosed boots, and his Sword is taller than David. His shield weighs more than David weighs. And all David has are five rocks and a slingshot. 
to be honest, what would you think would happen? By the way, that's why Hollywood made a movie about this. <laughs> In verses 48 and 49, as the Philistine moved closer to attack him, David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet him. Reaching into his bag and taking out a stone, he slung it and struck the Philistine on the forehead. The stone sank into his forehead, and he fell face down on the ground. Now remember David's very last words back up in 47. For the battle is the Lord's, and he will give all of it into your hands. See, David wasn't fighting for God. God was fighting for David. David wasn't fighting God's battle. God was fighting his battle. Now, let me let you in on a little secret. You probably already have figured this out. The fight was fixed. Goliath never had a chance. Because Goliath wasn't fighting David. He was fighting God. David didn't kill Goliath for God. God killed Goliath through David. Now, David got the victory, but he wanted to make sure everybody knew God was going to get the glory. God got the praise. God got the honor. And that's all David cared about. That's why he's a man after God's own heart. And don't miss this. For the rest of his life, you can search Scripture. Did David ever brag about killing Goliath? Did he ever autograph his books and sign it, David GGGK, Great Giant Goliath Killer? No, David fought that giant for one reason. And the whole world will know there's a God in Israel. David focused on God's presence. He was fearless in God's power. He was favorite for God's praise. And that brings us to an even deeper truth as we get to the close. This is not about a little shepherd that beat a big giant. It's not primarily a story about David or Goliath or even you and me. It's a story about God. David wants us to know there is a God that saves, a God that delivers. There's a God that rescues. You see, this isn't a story about a shepherd. It's a story about a Savior. It's a story about Jesus. Let me explain. Have you ever thought about the fact that David was born in Bethlehem? And so was Jesus. David was a shepherd. Remember what Jesus called himself? The good shepherd. The giant taunted Israel Twice a day for how many days? Forty days. You remember how many days Jesus was tempted in the wilderness by Satan? Forty days. The only one who could face the giant that day was David, the ancestor of Jesus. The only one who could face Satan was Jesus. One thousand years later, Jesus would face two giants, Satan and sin. He too would kneel down for the battle. But instead of picking up a stone, he picked up a cross. And where David lived, 
Jesus died. But where David later died, Jesus rose from the dead, and we're going to celebrate that in just a couple of weeks, never to die again. The first David needed God to defeat his giant foe. The second David, Jesus, was God who defeated all of our giants for us. As far as we know, the first David never shed a drop of blood, never got a scratch on his body. Jesus shed his blood and was bruised and battered beyond recognition. The first David died in the dust. Jesus came back, rose up from the grave, never to die again. And because of Jesus, we don't have to run from any giant. In fact, we can run to any giant because we have a God who is with us, a God who is for us, a God who is bigger than any giant. One of the things that I have regular conversations about uh, almost every day is people call my office and say, okay, we're getting on the other side of this COVID stuff. What do you think is going to happen? Now, I don't know. I don't know if I've got any special insight that's greater than anyone else's insight. But from everything I'm looking at, when all this is over and we return to some kind of normalcy, we're going to see about 70% of the folks who are in church come back to church. In other words, we're going to lose about 30%. If you have higher numbers than that, you're going to be uh, abnormal instead of normal. But we're going to lose about 30% of people. But one of the things that I do know, because of the past year we've undergone, people are having more questions than they've ever had. They're having spiritual questions. They're having life questions. And so we're going to have opportunities like we haven't had in several years. And you know how we're going to make a difference? See, God's church is going to thrive. The question is, are we going to be a part of this thriving church? And the way we're going to be a part of that is, we're going to dedicate ourselves to being men and women, boys and girls, after God's own heart. I love something I read several years ago. It was the title for the sermon. When David was looking at Goliath, most people would have said, look how big that dude is. David was saying, he's so big I can't miss. <laughs> Folks, with Jesus on our side, the church is going to move forward. He's calling you to be a person after his own heart. Will you be? Will you answer that call? Or are you going to focus on your giant? Or are you going to focus on God? We're going to have our song of invitation. If you're here today and you've been going through a struggle and you realize I've let this struggle become uh, the most important thing in my life, not God, maybe God brought you here today so you could come to terms with that and get everything right between you and him. Maybe you're here today and you realize, you know, I don't know this Jesus. And all this business we've been going through has scared me. You don't have to be afraid. Jesus can take away your fear. If you're here today 
God's spoken to you in any way you come, I'll be at the front.